0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in New York Football Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals and the only place for every New York football team and their fans. Do you believe? I'm your host, Steven Florentino Rodriguez, but you can call me Tino for short. We have a lot to talk about on today's show, the very first episode of the New York Football Podcast. But first, let me tell you a little bit about myself and what I plan on talking about on the show each week. I've been working within the sports media world for the last eight years, and over that time, I've done everything from writing, recording, reporting, and coaching the game of football. Currently, I'm a sports gambling writer with Odds Checker U.S., as well as a high school football coach in New Jersey during the fall where I coach wide receivers and linebackers. Each week, I plan on releasing a podcast on Wednesdays discussing all things New York football, covering mainly the Giants, the Jets, Army, and Rutgers, while also trying to find some time to show some love to the Buffalo Bills. I'll also make sure to touch on each team as much as possible each episode, so be sure to go on Twitter and follow both myself and the podcast account the podcast is under NY Football Pod, and myself is Tino Rodriguez with an underscore. On today's show, we're going to talk about all the offseason coaching decisions from each team. The Jets decided to do nothing, Rutgers brought back Greg and Army made a change amongst the coordinators. At the end of the show, I'll briefly recap the championship games and which team I think will carry the most momentum heading into the Super Bowl. But to get us started first, I'm going to talk about all the moves from Big Blue. Sir, we are back in the New York groove. I just want to note that we will only play that song on this show when the Giants do good things. For Giants fans, you know that's our touchdown song, so we'll play that song when I believe that the Giants have made a touchdown decision, or actually scored a touchdown in a game come uh, season time. But in the offseason, that means good news for Giants fans as the Giants moved on from Pat Shermer, who went 9-23 and in two years, and are making all the right decisions so far into changing the culture of the Giants. Because as of the last three years, the Giants culture has been losing. 12 and 36 over the last three seasons. And so, the Giants, most recently, have signed offensive coordinator Jason Garrett. Which, you know, say what you want about Jason Garrett as a Giant fan. And I can attest to this. Head coach, not great. He's not a great head coach, but, now here's the but, and I like to, I, I'd like to start by saying I do know that he hasn't called plays since 2012. I'm aware. I get that. I get that. But since 2007, when Garrett was the coach of the, giant, uh, of the Cowboys, they've been top six in yards per play, total yards per game, points per game, and total QBR. Now, I truthfully believe he might ultimately be a one-and-done. I think Garrett was looking to be a coach, a coach this season. The Giants even looked at him. But ultimately has to not get his credibility back because in a way he's just been so linked to the Cowboys and being fired that he has to make a statement. And I think the statement can come with, what he has with the Giants and the fact that he could play the Cowboys two times a year. I think that's something that could really work in his favor, especially if he's looking for another head coaching position, but he gets to inherit an offense, which I'd say the model is relatively similar to Dallas's. You have a remotely mobile quarterback who I believe has a better arm than Dak and can probably make more plays than Dak if he's handled the right way which Garrett happens to be known for, and a dominant running back. Now, the big difference with those two teams, and it's always been the difference, is that there's no offensive line. The Giants don't have an offensive line. I mean, they do, but they don't. (laughs) Every team's got to have an offensive line. They they don't really have sustainability. I mean, Will Hernandez. uh, I mean, the, the same guys are starting. They are sustained. But the production has been tough to come by. Granted, I also think the play calling had something to do with that, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But I think Saquon wasn't only battling an injury this year. I think his numbers were down because the offense was lacking production up front. And so you bring in a guy who's conservative, play calling may factor in, but the upside's there, and... Speaking of upside, Joe judge has that same exact upside. if I'm John Mara and David Gettleman, and he sat down in a room just like he did in the press conference, gave his two cents, you were like, "Wow, I, I want to go play football," and saw that he was a five time nash uh champion a five time champion winning three Super Bowls with the Patriots two with Alabama and playing and being groomed by those two coaches, you feel pretty confident in not getting Matt Rule. At least I do. The only reason Matt Rule appeared like a great candidate to me was because he turned programs around, which is what the Giants need to do. They need to turn the page. And although they didn't get him because they didn't want to pay him, it's all right. Because if you heard Joe judge speak i i that's what you're getting. I think you're going to get a guy who, by the way, was offered the Mississippi state head coach position, which he you know that was his alma mater, and he didn't take it because he had a shot at the league. but it's very clear that he's a leader i he get he was involved with the Patriots I mean there is video of him granted is Belichick going with his decisions, probably not always, definitely not. But that's how that works. That's how a coaching relationship works. And so, you know, the fact that both uh, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban felt comfortable enough to keep this guy right at the hip on telling him what's going on and just kind of walking him through certain decisions and plays and just why things are going on, I think that's something that translates no matter where you go. And this is his first opportunity to take over a team. And do it himself, but I think someone like Jason Garrett, although not a winner, at least being involved helps that. I think it gives you the another veteran presence in the locker room of a guy who's been around who's seen it, who knows football, and you know knows what it takes to at least go five hundred because we haven't done that either, so it wouldn't surprise me one bit if the giants led by a Jason Garrett offense and Joe Judge pulling the strings, turned some heads and won more than four games this season. I think this is a team that should easily get to 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven if we spend the offseason being smart with our money and fixing the defense because the defense is a glaring hole. Uh, looking at defense... The Giants just signed Patrick Graham, who was the defensive coordinator from Miami. Uh, don't look at his numbers because he was the defensive coordinator of Miami who traded away Mike Fitzpatrick, who then went crazy in Pittsburgh and finished 30th uh, in total defense. But now that's not really to Graham's fault, I don't think. I mean, most of it can't be, you know, because Brian Flores, I know, has his way in the defense as well. But um, Judge has a very comfortable relationship with Graham, and they work together on the Patriots. Graham is comfortable in New York. He was the uh, the Giants' defensive line coach once upon a time. But at the same time, there is work to be done on this defense because, you know, a lot of the guys when Graham coached back in 16, 17 – aren't on the team anymore. There are nine first or second year players in the defense that have played significant minutes, including three rookies in the secondary and five rookies in general. So no easy task for Patrick Graham, but it could be worse. He could be coaching the Miami Dolphins again. So, you know, there's enough there defensively with the Giants that I think, If they draft smart and maybe get some edge rushers, there's no reason they can't be a competitive team. This is also officially the start of my draft Isaiah Simmons campaign. Um, This defense needs Isaiah Simmons. If you watched the college football playoff or any Clemson football this season, you would have seen this guy all over the field. The Giants desperately need safeties, corners, and a pass rush. Good thing he does all three. He does everything. Just put on a tape and you'll see it. But getting back to Graham, I will say this. You know, working with a team like Miami was this year, it shows that he can make something out of nothing, and he's going to have to do that same exact thing with this Giants defense in a lot of ways next year. I mean, they can try to retool as much as they can, but a lot of these pieces have to come around. And he's going to really have to get the best out of all those guys, especially the young guys, the nine first- or second-year players um, who aren't going to be rookies anymore, especially key people like DeAndre Baker, who he took in the first round one year ago, and a young guy like Corey Ballantyne who has promise but, you know, really needs some coaching. So it won't be an easy task for Patrick Graham. But on the same note, I think the attention to detail that Joe Judge and Patrick Graham both talk about will be key because most of the Giants' mistakes, those players with potential really shine when you have a good coaching staff that pay attention to detail and help you from those mental errors. You know They prevent those mental errors from happening because they see them. They're, you know, they're three steps ahead. And guys like Belichick pay attention to detail, and you see the outcome with their teams. It's what makes it successful, especially like Saban. You go over certain situations this way – you know, silly penalties and missed blocks and turnovers and miscommunications don't happen. And this Giants team, I will say this, has has a really good chance at taking the next step of becoming a winning team again. Or at least competing, showing signs of life against teams that don't rank in the bottom of the league in most categories. And starting to actually hold their own with an identity against Playoff caliber teams. They're, the past couple seasons, the NFC East has been so bad. And it shows that the Giants have been worse because they weren't even competing in a bad division. So to me, there's only up with Judge at, at head coach because, you know, to, the winning pedigree that he's seen and the winning pedigree the Giants haven't seen over the last three years compared to his says a lot. And to bring something like that in the building is just what the doctor ordered in terms of how to get the Giants back to their Super Bowl way. Speaking of teams who can't get out of their own way, the New York Jets decided to keep their entire coaching staff this offseason, including head coach Adam Gase and defensive coordinator Greg Williams. Can't wait! Adam Gase is an offensive guru who led the NFL's second worst total offense With 17.3 points per game, including 29th in passing yards and 31st in rushing yards. Not only that, but he like starts a beef with Le'Veon Bell and he's had it since he came to the team. And such an interesting dynamic. The whole concept that the best player on the Jets is said to have not even be wanted by the head coach is just craziness. And it results in these numbers. It's not surprising that the Jets were the way they were. Defensively, you don't have these issues. Greg Williams can coach football. You saw it when he took over as interim. In Cleveland, they started winning football games. Freddie uh, Freddie Kitchens Kitchens got a lot of credit for that. But he was orchestrating that. Read these defensive numbers. Jets D, seven best total in uh, in total defense. Allowed 22.4 points per game. And that was without their highest paid defensive player. They paid C.J. Mosley five years, uh, an $85 million contract over five years, and he didn't even play, and the defense was good. So this Adam Gase-led offense, to buy in for it uh, another year of that is an interesting move by New York. An interesting move, not just because, you know, I get the fact that you want to stick with the same coach, same offensive coach. It's very important for a young quarterback, especially when developing him. I get that. But Adam Gase, similar to Pat Shermer, has a past of losing and a past of just his offensive numbers don't match with this offensive guru nickname that he has. It doesn't, and the numbers prove it. 2018 in Miami, they went 7-9, and nine, second worst total offense, seventh-fewest points per game, 19.9. 2017, 6-10. Eighth-worst total offense, fifth-fewest points per game, 17.6. The playoff year, they went 10-6, and six, snuck in, lost in the first round. Then the ninth-worst total offense, middle of the pack in the league in points per game, 22.7. So, to st- it's not even that the Jets are deciding to stick with him one more year. I, I understand why you would do that, but I think you got to make an exception with this case. I think you got to just, before you damage Sam Darnold any further, the, the mono should have been a sign. <laughs> the mono should have been a sign that this team has like a, has like a Adam Gase spell on it. He's just going to keep telling people he's going to run a good offense. But in reality, the production isn't there. The numbers aren't there, and the production definitely isn't there on the field. But, hey. Can't wait. Jets fans have to think of it this way. The Patriots might be on the tail end of things. Brady's moving out, getting a little older. They're starting to not make it to AFC Championship games. That curtain may be closing. However... The Buffalo Bills look like they're gaining steam. And they have a young quarterback from that same draft in Josh Allen who is showcasing what he has. Turnovers aside, the, the guy can ball. And they have a young defense. You don't want to miss this opportunity to start competing for a division because as the Pats are out, the Bills may easily become a wagon. I mean, luckily, the Dolphins are in the division. So you don't have to worry about that anytime soon, at least for another year or so. But the pads are always going to be there as long as Belichick's there. So wasting another year with Adam Geese is just, you know, it's like another gray hair on the team right now. There's nothing wrong with a silver fox, but don't let the Patriots and the Bills continue to pass you even if the Patriots become past their prime. And by keeping Adam Gase at the helm, could very easily be doing that. With that said, you do have to make sure you treat Sam Darnold as the future of the franchise he is right now and protect that man. You got to get him an offensive line in the upcoming draft because if this offense isn't going anywhere, you need to at least try to help it. And by getting another defensive player, with the, which the Jets have continued to do nonstop, for as long as time, it's not going to help anything. You need to strengthen your offensive line. You need to get younger up there. The Jets' peak, their prime, featured a core line that had always been there. The Brickershaw, mangled. the boys, you know? They got to get back to that. If not, you might as well get ready to draft another franchise quarterback because... That, that's the way the cookie crumbles, you know, especially in the NFL. You got to protect that man. You got to establish a run, which they can't do either. You know, the numbers tell you that. Second worst in the run and third worst in the pass. You know, that, you got to be good at one at least, one or the other. If you can't run the ball, you might as well just air it out, and they haven't done that either, and it's probably because they can't protect that man. The Jets allowed the fourth most sacks in the NFL at 52, and the fifth most quarterback hits, at 106, that is a recipe for disaster. Just look at what happened to Cam Newton in Carolina. That team didn't protect him early on in his career, and no matter how good that man is, in the long term, it, it, it adds up. Speaking of adding up, over in college football, the Scarlet Knights are finally back in the headlines in a good way. They made a switch to bring back former head coach Greg Schiano, who coached, From 2001 to 2011, finished 68 and 67 over that time off. He's worked in multiple programs, including the assistant head coach for Ohio State and the head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a little bit there. Um, The Rutgers program needed Shiano. They were losing the recruiting battle all over the board. They've lost in big ways over the last five seasons, finishing 13 and 47 over that span, including two and 10 last season. And Shiano Swagger is needed to save this Rutgers program. They knew it. We knew it. And it happened. Um, And as a result, we got Shiano flying around the high schools, landing on the field in his recruiting helicopter. And for their sake, I hope it works. I hope it continues to work Um, in the short term. It doesn't seem like it, it is working. Uh, for the class of 2020, just in terms of New Jersey, they have 10 of the top 50 players committed and only four within the top 25, including the highest being number 19. That coming courtesy of 24-7 Sports. But I will give him this. Amongst four of those top 50, they have signed since December. So he's factored in a bit, making these kids actually think about what they're going to do. And if they want to stay at home or really chase a dream on a bigger school where they might not get the looks. But it seems as if Shiano's off to a good start. And at this point, it's just about waiting to see results on the field, especially come those spring games, to see the type of talent you have when you're competing in a conference as dominant as the Big Ten. Looking at some players to highlight, though, from the past Rutgers season, are two seniors who played in the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl. You had senior Kamal Seymour and senior Damon Hayes. Seymour started 12 games for three consecutive years for the Scarlet Knights, and Hayes was a versatile quarterback, strong safety, totaled two tackles during the game, and uh, really was known for playing endless amounts of downs for the Scarlet Knights in big ways, um, joining them on the field was Army defensive captain Cole Christensen, who had himself a day. Uh, He had himself a season as the defensive captain, although Army's defense didn't really reciprocate those numbers. His numbers jump off the page, and you saw just that uh, during the game. Five total tackles, a fumble recovery, returned it 16 yards. And after having the privilege of covering this guy two years ago when he had just really started to jump onto the scene for the Army Black Knights. I mean, immediately you saw that not only was he a, a natural-born leader, which most people who go to Army West Point are are born to do, but just a leader amongst men, especially on the football field. The, the guy had 112 tackles, total tackles this season. The next closest person was at 83. Uh, solo tackles, just individually, 63. His fellow teammate, Elijah Riley, who got recognized at the Shrine Bowl, was right behind him at 55, but just ultimately making plays on his own whenever possible, just finding the football, hitting the football, two and a half sacks, one pass deflection, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery on the season for Christensen. Uh, It's just great to see a guy like that who's uh, more than deserving of recognition showing up on... on on a national stage on a a primetime network with other players looking to get the same recognition and really just showing out. Um, I mentioned Riley there for a second. Elijah Riley, although his numbers from the game didn't really pop out, he was the Eastern captain at the Shrine Bowl. And, uh, you know, although his numbers during the game didn't jump off the screen, his numbers during the season did just that. As I mentioned, 55 total uh, solo tackles, which is second best on the team. He had 79 tackles in total. That was third best. Four sacks as a defensive back. Led the team, which is downright impressive. Six pass deflections, three interceptions, three, fumble reco- uh, three forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. So a guy who is not afraid to lay the hammer, um, being recognized as the Eastern captain at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, Definitely, definitely good news for Army Black Knight fans seeing that, although the defense had a down year, really translating to the next level and being recognized amongst the nation's best. Speaking of Army's defense, the Army Black Knights made a switch defensively. Although no one got fired, John Luce, the former defensive coordinator, was promoted to assistant head coach to Jeff Munkin, and the Black Knights have hired Nate Woody as defensive coordinator. Woody coached at Michigan as a defensive analyst last season uh, and has been a defensive coordinator at three different programs, including Georgia Tech, Appalachian State, and Walford. Now, as I mentioned, great defensive players on the Army side of the ball, but the numbers didn't really translate. The Black Knights finished 5-8, and eight, and large in part to the defense not really being able to mirror that triple option offense that what's third best in the nation. And, uh, you know, when you run the ball like that and you control the clock, you can't give up big chunks, you can't give up big plays, and they were doing just that. They allowed 23 points per game, had, had 17 takeaways, but they allowed 342 yards per game, which just isn't going to mash up well when you're a team that can't really throw the ball as the Black Knights do. Uh, what they're going to try to do is get back to uh, the way they were two years ago, back when I covered the team. They had been nationally ranked. They were the 8th best total defense, allowing 17.7 points per game, had 18 takeaways, and averaged 295.5 yards per game. That was back when Jay Bateman was the defensive coordinator. He's no longer there. He decided to go over with Mack Brown and coach at the University of North Carolina. However, could be a step in the right direction for the Black Knights, who had a down year to say the least this season. And is really looking for a turnaround. Woody is a 3 4 kind of defensive guy. He runs that scheme. Uh, back with Georgia Tech, they ranked fifth in fumble recoveries, 16th in the nation in total takeaways with 25, and had three defensive touchdowns. So the numbers show that a Nate Woody coach's defense can not only play defense at a sound level, create some turnovers, but put points on the board by themselves as well. So. It's a step in the right direction for the Black Knights. I'm sure they're excited about it on campus, and uh, you know, another wait and see moment for for local college football. You know, we have Greg Shiano over at Rutgers, and we have a Army Black Knight defense who will turn to Nate Woody, looking to revamp things and get back to the way things used to be. Now we're gonna switch out of the college game as I introduce you all to a segment that. I hope, can stick around this show for a long time. Um, as a gambling writer, it is very keen to me that my job is to make sure that the listeners and the readers and the viewers make some money off the things that I say. So, as a result... Show me the money! Show me the money! Yeah! Show me the money! That's it, brother, but you got to yell! Yep, show me the money. For those of you who don't know, that's not only the name of this segment, but that comes from Jerry Maguire, Um, a very infamous football movie and very fitting for this segment. Uh, Although I don't plan on getting in too much gambling information right now, just wanted to introduce it as I bring it back next show for my Super Bowl preview. But as we look ahead at that Super Bowl, let's touch on the AFC and NFC Championship games. I guess we can start first with the more eventful one in the Chiefs coming back, although they only trailed by 10. They are the first team in history to now trail by 10 points and win by 10 points in consecutive playoff games. Um, Reigning MVP still to this point. Pat Mahomes was elite, to say the least. Completed 23 of 35. 294 yards, 3 touchdowns, 8 carries, 53 yards, and a rushing touchdown. The rushing touchdown was even bigger than the second half 70-yard touchdown he had to Sammy Watkins. He had a 27-yard touchdown run with 11 seconds left in the first half that not only gave the Chiefs their first lead of the game, but completely changed the game and uh, turned things around for the Chiefs dramatically. Uh, The defense was able to hold Derrick Henry to only 69 yards on 19 carries for a touchdown, which he took on a designed jet motion read option. But I will say this about the Chiefs. You know, their defense had a lot of question marks, and by holding Derrick Henry to his first under 100-yard rushing game over the last four games is impressive. Um, you know, you got to give credit where credit's deserved, and uh, they definitely get the credit from me on this one. Um, when you think about how stopping a guy like Derrick Henry can benefit this team when it comes to the Super Bowl is, you know, there can't be enough said about it. You stopped the league's leading rusher, held him under two, uh, under 100 yards, and you're now going to go against a team that primarily runs the ball, not only with one uh, one running back, but three. Uh, turning to the 49ers, uh, Raheem Oster. Wow. Coming out party, the 49ers won 37-20. to 20. Uh, The game wasn't even close. I mean, they blew the Packers out of the water. The Packers couldn't stop a nosebleed on defense. They allowed Raheem Mostert to rush for 220 yards, four touchdowns on 29 carries. Now, a downside in that running game is that Tevin Coleman got hurt. So his status is going to be up in the air in two weeks. So it may just be the Raheem Mostert show. But when you talk about how the Chiefs just stopped a guy like Derrick Henry, who was the best of the best this season, and you got a guy who's coming off his career best ever, it definitely helps. It definitely works in your favor a little bit, Uh, especially when your last two games were in a cakewalk. You know, your, your playoff battle tested, whereas the 49ers, I mean, they barely broke a sweat. The Vikings didn't put up much of a battle, and the Packers were even worse. So although I think the 49ers may be the more complete team on paper, the opening line doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that the Chiefs are a slight point-and-a-half favorite, two points. I don't think this game is decided by a field goal. I think a touchdown will win this game. So whichever side you lead on, I don't think the points will help. I think this is a money-line game. Especially because the spread's low and up. But I think if the Chiefs play this game the right way, they'll show why they're the favorite. Because the 49ers are going to have to turn to Jimmy G at some point. There is no way he'll only have to throw the ball eight times in the Super Bowl. He went six for eight for 77 yards. In the NFC championship game. At the highest level. He didn't even need to play the quarterback position. Didn't even need to break a sweat. He was sacked one time untouched. Then you got. In the semifinal. He threw it 19 times. But still. 130 yards. So. I think. With the Chiefs just playing the Titans. And I'm not trying to say the 49ers are the titans but the build and the dynamic is very similar sound offensive and defensive lines who like to punch you in the mouth with the run game and play conservative with their quarterback which can work in your favor especially if you have a lead but the chiefs have proven that they're going to be the type of team that are comfortable playing from behind if you want to just run the ball, that's fine. Because they're going to score in seconds with the speed that they have. They are all healthy now. And, I mean, they're, they're not even really trying to run between the tackles anymore. They're getting their running backs out in space. They're launching the ball downfield. Mahomes looks mobile, more mobile than ever. You wouldn't have even known he dislocated his kneecap at some point this season. That's how good that man looks right now. So... Heading into the game, my early lean is on the Chiefs. And it'll be interesting to see what the Tevin Coleman news is, to see if the 49ers will really have another running back back there. If not, Matt Breida will step up. But neither of those guys are really the goal line guy. Tevin Coleman was getting the look down in the red zone when he got hurt. So that's their that's their down-and-distance uh, down rusher. So, not, the, not a game changer, but it'll definitely factor in, especially for a team that likes to run the ball and are going to have to rotate guys because Mostert isn't getting close to 30 touches again this game. No way. Unless they continue to get field position inside the 50 like they did against the Packers, which I just don't see that happening against the Chiefs. So, a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks. My early lean is on the Chiefs. And uh, I'll get more into detail on it, uh, specific prop bets, uh, certain things I like and I'm looking for in the game uh, next week when I have a Super Bowl preview. But as of now, uh, I'll take the Chiefs to cover and we'll go from there. Thank you guys for tuning in. This was the first of many episodes to come. If you've made it to this point, I really appreciate it. If you stopped at the beginning, that's still okay. Download, like, subscribe, do all the things necessary. Follow the social media accounts. We got NY Football Pod on Twitter. You got my handle is Tino Rodriguez with an underscore. Follow me on Instagram. It's the same thing. It's Steven Rodriguez with an underscore. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Love to hear some feedback. And I hope you continue to come back, guys. Thank you very much for listening in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.